This is Downtown Lowdown with Downtown Halifax Business Commission. Welcome to episode 30 of Downtown Lowdown with Downtown Halifax Business Commission, recorded on July 29th, 2020. This is where you can find out all you need or want to know about Downtown Halifax. I'm Alana McDonald-Mills, Director of Marketing. And I'm Ivy Ho, Director of Communications. We are your hosts for Downtown Lowdown. We'll be giving the lowdown on new businesses, developments, and issues that affect downtown. We also talk to key individuals that help make downtown better. I'd like to thank the Halifax Marriott Harborfront Hotel once again, especially Jeff Ransom, General Manager, and Jessica Muserall, Director of Sales and Marketing. We're on location at the Halifax Marriott in a spacious meeting room so that we can physically distance during this recording session. Hotels in downtown Halifax have spacious rooms and safety protocols in place for in-person meetings and smaller events. So consider a hotel meeting room as an option for your next meeting or even a restaurant or coffee shop if your office space isn't conducive to gatherings. Thanks again to the Halifax Marriott Harborfront Hotel for partnering with us. We have a great episode today on BizBuzz. We'll discuss what's new in business, fall events, and what's happening downtown. Paul McKinnon, CEO of Downtown Halifax Business Commission, will give us an update on a couple of government economic relief programs, as well as non-medical face masks for businesses in downtown Halifax. We'll jump right into today's featured interview. Alana talks to Anchor Gupta, co-owner and vice president of business development with Scanway Catering. Anchor is sharing with us how they survived and thrived over the past few months and what the long-term future holds for the business. Today on the Downtown Lowdown, we are welcoming Anchor Gupta, co-owner and vice president of business development at Scanway Catering. Scanway Catering is a local family-owned business that has been providing exceptional culinary experiences since 1981. Purchased by the Gupta family in 2017, Scanway transformed their business model during the pandemic. Anchor is going to share with us how they survived and thrived over the past few months and what the long-term future holds for the business. Thank you for joining us today, Anchor. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us a bit about Scanway Catering, specifically since your family took over the company in 2017? Absolutely. So before we took over the company, um, Scanway was sort of focused on doing 10 to 20 person lunches uh, here and there. And when my father and I took over the business, we really took a hard look at the model and we decided that it was better to shift our business model more to a B2B company, more contract-based business where mm-hmm. we go into um, different event venues or hotels and we offer our third-party operational expertise and we take on your banquet catering, um, your events catering, your restaurant, whether if you'd like us to operate that, a cafe, whatever it may be from an operational standpoint. So I really like to say Scanway has sort of transitioned into an East Coast hospitality group. We have contracts spanning all across the province in Truro, in Enfield, in downtown Halifax, um, so really all around the city. Um, And that's kind of been our focus since 2017 when we took over is to sort of develop that contract business and to get more partners along that way in order to kind of solidify and really establish that business model. And I think looking at it almost three years in, uh, I believe we've sort of achieved that goal from, you know, having three Mm -hmm. partners when we took over to having, I I believe it's 11 or 12 now, I I, I think, uh, along those lines. So we've been, I think, successful in that in that regard and and we still sort of do the events catering and the weddings catering that I think Scanway was always known for and mm-hmm. has existed for in, in Halifax for kind of over 35 years um, but we've spanned to offer a lot more offerings and services um, you know that include things like co-packing that include things like food packaging okay. and 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 packaged foods um, as a result of COVID um, and, and, and a whole kind of suite of, of items. Um, we really provide like a multitude of food solutions. Okay. And so it, I believe that, uh, 
that sort of answers the question, I think, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> in the entirety. So what did Scanway's 2020 look like before the pandemic hit? Yeah, so w- our plan was for growth. My my father had been splitting his time um, prior to the start of 2020 working at the Westin and, 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 and working at Scanway, and he okay. sort of made the jump at the start of 2020 um, to come full-time at Scanway. So I think our goal together was to solidify our sort of partnership mm-hmm. and relationship and then really see what like kind of the business looks like. Um, future fold and so the contracts business as I was mentioning and we had a plan to um, potentially open our own restaurant and we were you know pretty pretty heavily in the planning for that mm-hmm. and then uh, COVID hit and right. sort of like really kind of changed our plans in that regard and, and we had to really pivot like on a dime kind of right. thing and yeah. um, I think our plan still somewhat look like what we thought they would look like before but like I think the expectations have changed and sort of the execution aspect I think has changed as well with regards to how um, we're going to implement the the you know the type of business that we want to kind of take on over the next couple months or Mm -hmm. the next couple years. So you mentioned pivoting. Yes. So how did Scanway pivot during the early days of the COVID-19 shutdown? Yeah, so when I think like that D-Day was March 15th when kind of like the yeah. NBA yeah. shut down. I and, and that yeah, day. yeah, and yeah. the NBA. Yeah. I, I remember the NBA sort of shutting down and then everything yes. kind of like tumbled from there. What was sort of on our books with regards to uh, our business was all event space, like meetings and people, you know, with involving people getting together into a room. Um, and sort of consuming food buffet style and, you know, multiple hands touching multiple things, right. which obviously instantly became not p- possible. So in the first couple of weeks, we saw all of our business sort of start to decline immediately yes. yeah. um, and go down as a result of immediately, like as, as a result of COVID. So my, my father and I kind of made the decision at the very start that we didn't want to shut down. We wanted mm-hmm. to sort of stay open both from a perspective from wanting to keep our employees employed, but also just from a um, you know, wanting to keep our business open and alive, and 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 wanting to sort of fight this uh, event that had happened that was sort of out of our out of our yeah. control. So what we quickly did is we realized that we were already packaging some meals um, in a to-go style for the Alt Hotel, uh, one of our uh, one of our partners, and so we realized like could we push this out at a retail level um, and 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 offer that out at, like, through e-commerce and delivery. Um, out to different people. So mm-hmm. we launched a brand called Pantry, uh, which allowed us to um, now offer Scanways food to individuals like yourself right. that can just go onto our website, mm-hmm. excuse me, um, order, uh, o- order, order any multitude of items that are available and sort of have them delivered to your door six days a week uh, between 3 to 7 p.m. Um, so once we kind of started to dive into that, we realized that we could offer that solution to our hotel partners as well that right. were vying for contracts with um, parties that required their employees to isolate. So, for example, like Northwood or, for mm-hmm, example, like right. Exxon Mobile and like rig workers. So some of our hotel partners were able to secure business that way, and we fortunately were partnered with them, and as a result, we're able to provide food to them, okay. uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner as well, all packaged. And so our packaged meals are unique, I believe, in the way that they come in biodegradable containers, so you okay. can actually throw them right in the... Um, green bin after you're done using them, and oh, yeah, you can actually great. both go in the oven and in the microwave as well. So you don't even need another dish uh, to empty the uh, the food into. So it's it's pretty convenient. I say it's like a gourmet TV dinner. Um, and we've really, you know, like over the last three four months, I've seen like so many different over 50 different recipes like go in these different kind of containers and um our partner soul pack has been like you know we're very like okay. very you know helpful in that regard um, 
they're, they're a Canadian company as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been sort of the, the big shift, like in terms of providing all the meals in packaged form. And then we've really just looked for different avenues through which uh, we can make that happen. So now we're working with like Ultramar and providing like different sandwiches and stuff like that at the time being and potentially mm-hmm. hot meals as well that people can grab and go from there. But really just like exploring that grab and go model right. um, and, and continuing to sort of explore the contract model. Like we're working with schools as well like coming in in, 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 uh, in September. So it's just it's just seeing what's kind of available and seeing how what our expertise are and how we can kind of shift into that and, and provide what we have available uh, in that regards. But um, that's mostly what we've done from a business standpoint. Okay. And now that things have sort of come back, we're sort of seeing events and people starting to book more events right. and like wanting to do their weddings and that sort of stuff like that, um, both for later on this year and sort of into next year. And, right. you know, that's all f- to be seen if, if that does, you know, continue if the second wave hits or not. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so t- you mentioned Northwood. Tell us a bit about your partnership with Northwood Manor and also Brunswick Street Mission. Yeah, so Northwood actually worked with one of our partners called uh, Four Points, like the Four Points Halifax okay. downtown, and they mm-hmm. um, they were staying at the hotel there. Oh, okay. Um, and so as a result of us actually being located in the Four Points banquet right. space and us having a partnership with them, we were providing them meals uh, as well, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner for okay. almost like two months um, wow. uh, or so. Uh, and then with Brunswick Street, Street Mission, uh, when we launched Pantry um, and we saw what was happening as a result of mm-hmm. COVID-19, we sort of just felt a responsibility to, to also give back in, in any way that we possibly could. So um, I contacted the Brunswick Street Mission and sort of just said, hey, we have this kitchen very close to you. What can we do in terms of providing our mm-hmm. resources to help you out? So I think we've done a multitude of different things where we've sourced raw product from our suppliers, prepared that into food and donated that product to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mission has had source themselves some raw product like chicken turkey that example and they haven't been able to cook it so we've taken that cooked okay. it for them prepared mm-hmm. it for them stored it for them and then like delivered it to them sort of when they required it um and, and you know i say we've i think we've donated you know over like 1500 to a thousand wow. meals now like at this point but uh we also said like any for every meal that someone purchases through pantry we also match a meal for donation oh, wow. as That's well great. so yeah so there's just like a multitude of, of things that we've done with them and and tried to provide them support and I think it's helped them out and I, uh, yeah. and I think it's it's something that we're, we're we're proud of and proud proud of our team for for taking on that initiative you know with everything else yeah with, on, exactly you know, on top and, of and, and still still finding a way to be able to uh, help out the community and, and be able to give back yeah and get involved in the community yeah, yeah that's exactly great. exactly so if you had a crystal ball and you could <laughs> see a year or two into the future I wish I did <laughs> what do you see for Scanway Catering I think. You know, something that I envision is I think we want to be a dominant player in the food space here on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. And and my goal always, like, I I attended Queens and then I I was living in Toronto and I never really at that time planned to come back to Halifax. And then when I did, I noticed, like, everything happening here. And I saw the potential of what I think, like, the type of business that you Mm -hmm. can grow here. I got pretty excited about it. But the goal always was to sort of expand the company beyond uh, the East Coast and beyond Nova Scotia. So Mm -hmm. I think, like, in the next couple of years, uh, with the contracts that we've acquired now and potentially using those partnerships and, and new partnerships to be able to sort of expand beyond this province. Um, I think getting further into sort of the retail market by launching like a line of our own uh, sauces, like butter chicken sauces, okay, like right. that type of stuff yeah. like that, and, and, and sort of getting in retail stores and offering our product that way. Um, but but yeah, being a, a prominent player in, in the food space on the East Coast and, and in Canada and, and, and seeing where, where we can leverage, I think, 
the brand that we have right now and, yes. and where we can kind of like progress that into because I think there's going to be a lot of movement in the food space like mm-hmm. in the in the in in the next little bit just due to the fact of what's happened through COVID and I think the necessary changes that are going to be required mm-hmm. to provide you know food at a service level like at a restaurant level or at a catering level like you know we're still booking events but we're saying like we're going to provide it in a packaged packaged meal way so Mm -hmm. so yeah i think i think that's that's kind of where i see scanway headed and um it'll be interesting to see because i think there's there's still an element right like where a portion of what's going to come is sort of out of our hand Um, right exactly yeah sort of see what happens and and continue to kind of adapt and mold and be lean in that way and 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 be nimble is, is what i like to say right yeah so more general terms where do you see the food industry in halifax and even the province in a year or two yeah, I think, um, you know, Halifax in general is a very food-dominated city in, in the first place. Like, I mean, we have, I think, like some the most bars uh, right. per capita in, yeah. in Canada or something along those lines. So we have a thriving industry here. And if, if anything's happened during COVID, it's been like greatly hit as a result of, of, of that disease. Mm-hmm. So I think where I see the, the Halifax um, and hopefully like the food industry, like in general in this province going is towards like, more sustainable business models, like realizing that like right. only having one to two months of cash flow or only having one source of revenue isn't necessarily the the business model of the future. And I think like it's time to adapt as as an industry. Like mm-hmm. I think food and beverage in general has been an industry that has been slow to take on new technological innovations and and new trends and 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 um and I think that's purely as a result of the, of comfortability. Like there hasn't been a uh, really a requirement or a need for for owners and business owners to have to make that those changes so i think mm-hmm. like being aware of that and seeing that the landscape has sort of changed and as i've been sort of stressing like the way that you have to provide food i think is going to continue right. to change um over the upcoming months i think business owners need to be aware of that and be adaptive and be uh i think uh accepting or uh, ready to sort of like try things that they haven't tried before. Mm-hmm. Like I saw something like it's very simple, but very interesting that uh, like the Agricola Brasserie is doing is they're using like QR codes on their table so that you they don't have to hand out like paper menus. So it's oh, both okay. like environmentally friendly. Right. And it's also like COVID friendly because you're like not, you know, passing yeah, so you're back just bringing paper. Up the menu on your exactly. Because so yeah. like, I guess I, I didn't know this and I learned this that all like iPhones have QR code readers built into the camera. So you okay. just like literally put it over the QR code. Yeah, the, the the menu pops up on your phone. Okay. So like I thought That's that cool. was like yeah. pretty neat. And I like I like to go out and I go to a lot of restaurants and I've never seen that before. Um, like that simple of a thing. So I, you know, I hope places are willing to try things like that. And I think like if places in Halifax want to survive and they want to be unique, they need to look to not only mold on like the food experience, but also like the experience in general that they're providing people both from like a safety mm-hmm. and a health standpoint as well. I think people want to feel comfortable when they come to your establishment. Right. Um, so keeping that in mind, what other things can you implement and involve in that way and, and, and really push the boundaries on the way the experience currently exists to the way the experience could exist, like, in the future. Right. So you kind of mentioned, you know, innovation and technology. So where do you think the industry might be headed in terms of innovation and technology adoption because of the COVID pandemic? Yeah, I, I think, um, like, so, something that, like, could, could really change is, 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 like I said, like, implementing, like, simple, like, you know, 
reading into customer behavior that currently exists, for example, like everybody has their phone on them when they go to a restaurant. So mm-hmm. why, how can you implement the fact that people already have that technology into the way that you have the restaurant experience integrated, um, for example, or is there ways to automate processes where you don't necessarily require as many labor components or you can have like different, you know, requirements for job levels and different requirements at skill levels as well, like through through automation. Um, but I think in general, it's it's more like not even necessarily an adoption on technology, but more like strategically like adoption on business models. Like mm-hmm. as I was saying, like like restaurants have, I think, realized that, you know, like you're now seeing, like I've seen Michelin star restaurants that like never before would offer delivery or have offered delivery in right. the last three, four months because they had they to, but to. they've realized mm-hmm. that like that's actually a meaningful source of revenue if you can properly tap into that and create a niche market for it. But then again, like there just hasn't been a requirement for it previously to do that because, you know, those restaurants have been able to sustain what they previously had in the way that customers were previously used to coming into the mm-hmm. restaurant. So I think there's a very real concern to be had that are people going to continue to go out? Are people going to want to, you know, even for us, like conversations that we have at Scanway are, are like, are people going to host more private events in their homes as opposed to wanting to host events at like our event venues? And so do right. we need to like create, um, you know, different menus or different offerings because you're going suddenly from a place that has a full kitchen and that you can offer like so many different things to someone's home kitchen and you're offering that in their home. So it becomes like a different element and a different challenge. And so um, just being, I think, ready and uh, being sort of, the best way that I'm looking to put it is uh, like consumer behavior is going to change. And so like being accepting of what, um, what technologies and what different habits and what like for us, like a big thing because we're not a retail facing company for us, it's behind the scenes, how we can create better processes and how we can create better, like, you know, checklists and that sort of stuff like that in order for us to be more efficient. And so that we're not, you know, unnecessarily wasting time or wasting labor or, mm-hmm. or doing things in an inefficient manner. So li- like such, like really taking a hard look at your business model and realizing things have changed and that what used to work may not work anymore. And so, you, you know, act mm-hmm. accordingly. Right. Yeah. So that's some good advice for other businesses, but do you have any other advice for businesses that still may be navigating uncertainty right now as we head into the second half of 2020? I mean, I certainly don't have all the answers, <laughs> but uh, I think as I've been sort of stressing like throughout the throughout the other questions that, yeah. that have kind of come across, like um, just being ready and, 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 and being um, ready to adapt. Like I said, right. like I think adapt is the name of the game and that's the, that's the key thing right now. Like every business, I was just at a lunch with a friend and we were chatting and, you know, she works in human resources and, and, and she was talking about how, like how many people like that need jobs right now and that, right. Um, you know, require like in all types of fields. I guess not just you know retail workers. Like I, ha- I have friends that work in as lawyers and everything like that. So I think it's every business has been hit um, by this super unique event. And so um, I really, you know, what I'm trying to tell myself and what I try to talk with my dad and my staff and everything is that what used to like the biggest thing is like what used to work may not work anymore. And so you need to break out of that like comfortable pattern of wanting to go back to doing things right. like the same the way. Same way yeah. um, because it's just not necessarily going to work. And I think like having to prioritize like people's health and safety so much more that itself like creates so many more different challenges and everything like mm-hmm. that. So uh, my, my best advice is, is be um, comfortable uh, with change. Okay. Yeah. 
I think that would be that. Yeah, that's a good, that's good advice. Yeah, you hear a lot uh, of what people saying, oh, I, I can't wait for things to go back to normal. No, but they're and probably I, like, never I, going yeah, to be normal. I just don't know what that even, like, I, I think yeah. even what the normal that, like, exists now isn't even, like, the reality of normal. Like, businesses right. are being propped up by the wage subsidy. Like, people are still getting mm-hmm. the CRV. So, uh, that's not really the reality of the way things are going to go back to normal. And like I said before, like if a second wave hits, like that's like if this all happens, what happened before a second time? Like yeah. what does that people do to people's mentality and people's psyche like right. to be affected by that in like an even further way? It's to be seen. So I think change is on the horizon and, and it's better to be like ahead of that curve as right. opposed to be reacting to it. And so that's 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 what we're knowing what's happened now. Um, we're trying to sort of play yeah. a little bit of, you like you ready. said, like be, be looking into our crystal ball yeah. and, and trying to, you know, figure out what's what's going to come next and what's going to happen next. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to add? No, I think thank yeah. you for having me yeah, and great. it was great chatting here and, yeah. you know, appreciate, appreciate the opportunity. Well, thank you for coming. It was nice talking to you today. No problem. It was great. Thank you. Ankur Gupta is the co-owner and vice president of business development at Scanway Catering. Scanway Catering is a food and beverage management company located at 1505 Barrington Street. You can learn more about Scanway Catering and Pantry by Scanway at scanwaycatering.com and you can find at Scanway Catering on Twitter and Instagram and at Pantry by Scanway on Instagram to keep up to date. We now have Paul McKinnon, CEO of Downtown Halifax Business Commission. He's updating us on a couple of government economic relief programs as well as non-medical face masks for businesses in Downtown Halifax. So what's new, Paul? So what's new? So since we recorded our podcast last, masks, I guess, are new. Well, they're not new, but they're, they're back and, and uh, bigger and, and better than ever. So masks are, are now mandatory. Uh, have been, I guess, by the time we air this podcast, they'll have been mandatory for, uh, for a little while. So as of July 31st, uh, masks became mandatory in Nova Scotia uh, in indoor public spaces. So um, by the time this podcast airs, hopefully uh, that will all be sorted out uh, at, at the moment of, of when we're recording this. There's still a few questions of clarification around you know when they have to be worn, when they don't have to be worn. Uh, I know some of the feedback that we had initially was from restaurant uh, owners. Uh, I think just the general fear that this would further discourage uh, people from going into restaurants. And there's always there's already uh, concern about about obviously lack of customers and business being down. Uh, but uh, but the mask requirement in restaurants is meant to be, I think, fairly minimal in the sense that, that you're expected to. I mean, servers were already required and, and were wearing masks for a long time. But if you're a customer in a, in a restaurant indoors, uh, essentially you have to wear your, your mask as you go into the restaurant, get seated. If you're up moving around, going to the washroom. But certainly once you're seated you know, with your party uh, and you're waiting for your food and eating and, and that type of thing, uh, the mask isn't required. So it really shouldn't be too much of, a, of an inconvenience. And, and, of course, because people are going to be required to, to wear them in, in other public spaces. I think uh, it'll soon just become more normalized, regular behavior. So even if people kind of initially are uncomfortable, um, hopefully we'll, we'll get comfortable because I think that's going to be the way it will be for uh, for a while anyway. Um, and now that the weather's still uh, still nice, it's, it's not a requirement for outdoor spaces. So we already know uh, outdoor dining uh, seems to be the preferred uh, method when the when the sun's out uh, in the summer months. So uh, so we expect to see uh, busy patios and, and the mask uh, rule doesn't uh, doesn't come into play for that. So, so that's 
that's kind of the update on Mass, and, and hopefully that's uh, that's all going well, and it's a pretty easy transition uh, for people. Um, in terms of, of mask availability, um, we are working uh, with the province uh, in terms of identifying a, a number of masks that, that they have uh, that they're going to be supplying potentially to businesses that need them. Uh, and so that those details are still being uh, worked out at the moment. Uh, but there is a um, an email address you can contact if if you're a business that requires masks, uh, and that's nseconomy at novascotia.ca. Uh, and we're also talking about, uh, about different potential distribution nodes uh, for masks as well. But, but certainly, uh, we encourage businesses to uh, to stock up, obviously, masks for your own, uh, you know, for your own employees, but to have some extra ones for customers as well. Uh, and, and again, as a downtown Halifax business commission, we would encourage you to buy those locally uh, if you can. And there's a number of places right downtown, um, uh, places where they're making masks or selling masks. Uh, so Shirzad's Taylor, for instance, they make uh, great, their, their masks are actually very comfortable. Uh, they have they have a couple of different designs and they're double-sided uh, down in the the Keith's Brewery, uh, Lisa Greater Murphy, uh, I think was, was maybe the first uh, business to come out and, and make masks. Uh, and I got uh, my Halifax Wanderers mask uh, at Garrison through a special promotion they were doing, which came with beer. So that was nice as well. I don't, I'm not sure if they're still doing that, but uh, but give them a try as well. So uh, yes, yeah, so uh, so mask up, uh, everyone. That's uh, that's the story on masks uh, so far. Uh, just a couple of other updates. Um, so one of the, the the programs that we advocated for. Uh, uh, a while ago was uh, was rent relief program which uh, which did come out in the form of a program called Secra. Um, the the general feedback across the country uh, with our you know business commission partners and, and other business groups has been the program really hasn't been nearly as effective uh, or as widespread as, as we hoped it would be um, as of as of this recording uh, less than 10% of the funding uh, had been spent uh, which represented 29,000 uh, businesses who had who had received the Secra funding um, and there's about 25,000 additional applications so that sounds like a lot, but that's that's uh, the entirety across Canada. So uh, the program simply hasn't been as, as highly subscribed as uh, one would hope. And I know the Canadian Federation for Independent Business, amongst other groups, has been calling for changes to the program um, simply to make it more effective. I think when it first came out, you know, we were pleased that, uh, that the federal and provincial government were doing something directly with rent assistance. Uh, the, the program initially looked very good, but uh, but for whatever reason, hasn't been very popular. Uh, so the improvement specifically that CFIB is looking for is making uh, the program uh, directly accessible to tenants. Because uh, right now it's the landlord that has to has to sign on. Um, and again, it, it provides the landlord with 75% uh, of the of their rent um, for for tenants across a couple of months. But anyway, it hasn't worked that well. So uh, hopefully that program can be extended and tweaked and and uh, become more effective uh, through that. So. To update on the Seeker program um, and another program that uh, that we want to continue to promote, uh, because again there is still uh, funding available for it, uh, is the Regional Relief and Recovery Fund, the RRRF. And there's kind of two different streams for that funding. Uh, one of them is, is more for rural-based businesses, so that's an important program. But uh, we're an urban business district, so we'll leave that information to other people. But there's money left in that account if you're a rural business uh, and you're just a big fan of the Downtown Lowdown podcast and are listening. Um, check that out. Um, and but, who isn't a fan? And who isn't a fan? But the real big fan are, of course, our members downtown. And so there is an urban Main Street loan initiative uh, program, which essentially uh, works out to be it's up to $40,000 in, in a, a 0% loan for a certain period of time. 25% of that loan is, is, uh, is forgivable. The program is, is funded by ACOA, but it's being delivered through the Center for Education and Entrepreneurship Development, SEED, uh, which is a great organization. Uh, many of our businesses downtown have received funding through them. So they're overseeing the program. So uh, you can go on the SEED website or the ACOA website uh, and look for the urban Main Street 
loan initiative. Uh, the deadline is coming up uh, pretty soon. Uh, and again, there, is, there are still funds available. Uh, I suspect that, that probably part of the reason that it hasn't been as fully subscribed, it is a loan program. It's not a grant program. Um, and a lot of our businesses have taken on a lot of debt or are reluctant to, but uh, there is still funding available in there for businesses that, that uh, haven't applied and, uh, and need to access some additional capital. So uh, we would encourage you to check that program out. Uh, and the final update is just a, it was an announcement uh, by the government in terms of, of tax extension. So uh, if you owe taxes, uh, both on a, or either on a personal level or a corporate level, uh, the, the deadline had already been extended in terms of paying those taxes uh, to September 1st. And that's been extended by an additional month, so the deadline is now September 30th. And that's, uh, that's all my updates for today. Great. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. We were talking to Paul McKinnon, CEO of Downtown Halifax Business Commission. He updated us on the Regional Relief and Recovery Fund, the Canada Revenue Agency's extension on outstanding tax debts, and non-medical masks in downtown businesses. Downtown Halifax Business Commission strives to provide the latest information as the province revises restrictions. DHBC is still following the directives of the Nova Scotia Health Authority. Check out some of DHBC's resource pages for businesses and for the public. For the main COVID-19 business resource page, visit downtownhalifax.ca slash COVID-19. On July 24th, the Nova Scotia Health Authority announced new restrictions around wearing non-medical face masks in public spaces. Here is the rundown of the details. Wearing a non-medical mask is required in most indoor public places. Children under two are exempt, as well as children two to four when their caregiver can't get them to wear a mask. People with a valid medical reason for not wearing a mask are also exempt. Schools, daycares, and day camps continue to follow their sector-specific plans. Public spaces include retail businesses and shopping centers, personal services businesses like hair salons, barbershops, spas, nail salons, and body art establishments, except during services that require removing a mask. Restaurant and liquor licensed drinking establishments like bars, wineries, distillery, tasting rooms, and craft tap rooms, except while you're eating or drinking. Places of worship and faith gatherings, Places for cultural or entertainment activities and services, like movie theaters, theater performances, dance recitals, festivals and concerts. Places for sports and recreational activities, including fitness establishments, like pools, gyms, yoga studios, climbing facilities, and indoor tennis facilities, except during an activity where a mask can't be worn. Places for events, like conventions, conferences, and receptions. Municipal and provincial government locations that offer services for the public. Common areas of tourist accommodations like lobbies, elevators, and hallways. Common areas of office buildings like reception areas, elevators, and hallways, including private offices and apartment buildings. Common areas and public spaces on university and college campuses like the library and student union building, but not classrooms, labs, offices, or residences. Train stations, bus stations, ferry terminals, and airports. A business or government official can ask you to remove your mask for identification purposes. You can remove it momentarily for this reason. All passengers and drivers on public transportation are required to wear non-medical masks. Children under two are exempt, as well as children two to four when their caregiver can't get them to wear a mask. People with a valid medical reason for not wearing a mask are also exempt. Public transportation includes municipally operated public transit, buses and ferries, school buses and vehicles operated by private schools, community transit vehicles like community operated buses, commercial vehicles like shuttle vans, excluding vehicles providing charters and tours, taxis, and vehicles serving residents and staff at long-term care facilities. 
These are just some of the measures that may affect businesses, visitors, or workers in downtown Halifax. View full notices and restrictions from the Nova Scotia government at novascotia.ca slash coronavirus slash hashtag alerts. And now for BizBuzz. And now it's time for BizBuzz. We are welcoming Raf Peligro back to downtown Lowdown. Raf is our marketing and communications coordinator. Thank you for joining us again, Raf. I'm happy to be back. Today we're going to talk about farmers markets, what attractions are open again, and historic properties masquerade. A few events to look forward to in the fall, and we're going to touch quickly on our new campaign. But before we get into any of that, Raf has some business updates. Raf, what do you have for us? All right. So the Hopscotch Dinner Club has now officially opened at 1537 Barrington Street, which happens to be right across our office. The Hopscotch Dinner Club used to have elaborate tasting menu pop-ups around town, but now customers can expect a more casual approach with their a la carte, small plates, and entrees. They're open for dinner uh, Wednesdays through Sundays from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. It's highly recommended that customers reserve at hopscotchdinnerclub.com, but walk-ins are also welcome. Um, they're doing dinner right now, but soon they'll have a uh, lunch service as well. So oh, nice. maybe we should pop yeah. on over there. I'm definitely going to go there. <laughs> yeah, it looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, its neighbor, two doors down, uh, just opened their outdoor patio. Um, Niche Lounge just opened a new outdoor space, which they call the Barbecue and Beer Yard in the Four Points Sheraton Courtyard. So you enter through the Four Points store on Salter Street and then follow the signs inside to get to it. And the barbecue and beer yard opens daily at 4 p.m., um, weather permitting, of course. I've never been to their courtyard. I'll have to check it out sometime. Oh. It's sort of a secret little gem, it sounds like. Yeah, it yeah. does sound like it. Yeah. Liquid Gold, who is a local purveyor of olive oil and balsamic vinegar, is moving to Lower Water Street. So they are opening a new shop in the Alexander Building this fall. Oh, I saw their sign. Yes. Yeah, their yeah, sign great. is out. It's, uh, mm-hmm. They're by Copper Branch. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's great. That's yeah. a good addition to downtown. And a big congratulations are in order. The Western Nova Scotian, who is, by the way, celebrating their 90th year of operation. Which is amazing. Right. Yeah. Um, was once again awarded the prestigious AAA Four Diamond Award. And I think that's a testament to Halifax world-class hospitality. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah, congrats to them. Yeah, that's it for Watson. me. Thanks, Raph. So let's talk farmer's markets. Um, the Halifax Seaport Farmer's Market reopened in July, and it's open five days a week from Wednesday to Sunday. For Saturdays, the market operates from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. with a special hour for seniors and people with health needs, or special health needs, uh, from 8 to 9 a.m. There are both interior and exterior vendors on Saturdays, and to accommodate the exterior vendors and shoppers, they have closed Harper Walk North, which is the roadway in front of the market building, to vehicles on Saturday mornings from 7.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. And for Sundays, artisans will be returning to the market for Sunday Artisan Market. The market is open from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Sundays. Customers are asked to follow all directional signage when they visit. For more information with the Halifax Seaport Farmers Market, visit halifaxfarmersmarket.com or follow at HFXSeaportMRKT on Instagram. Yeah, I actually went to the Seaport Farmers Market last oh, did you? weekend. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, the cake lady was there with their mm-hmm. cookies as big as my face. Um, <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> and they had fresh fruit, uh, you know, cheeses. Yes, yeah. I can't wait to get back. Yeah. 
And the other thing you can do when you're down there, which I have not done and it's on my bucket list for the summer, is to um, do the – so it has two names I've seen, the Halifax Seaport Brow or the Cruise Wall. So depending oh, on who you're right. talking to, yeah. people have different names for it. Um, but that is the area where the cruise ships would normally board and disembark their passengers. And now it's open, so you can walk along that mm. or sit in, and look mm-hmm. out at the harbor. So it's open from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday to Thursday and 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Friday to Sunday. So, again, I haven't had a chance to do that yet, but that's yep. definitely on my list to do this summer. Yeah. And the Halifax Brewery Farmers Market is open Tuesday to Saturdays. Their neighborhood goods storefront is open from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And their Saturday Farmers Market is open from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. But from August 16th to September 4th, the neighborhood goods general store and online orders will be closed so staff and vendors can get the market space ready for the reopening of the indoor Saturday market on Saturday, September 15th, which is great. So the outdoor market, including the indoor vendors in the upper courtyard, will continue to run on Saturdays from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. until the full reopening of the indoor market. You can continue to shop at Neighborhood Goods General Store until the end of the day on August 15th. For more information, visit HalifaxBreweryMarket.com and follow at HFX Brewery Market on Instagram. And I would also recommend signing for their newsletter. They have a great newsletter that's always filled with excellent content. As we talked about in our last episode, most of downtown Halifax's marquee attractions are now open for in-person visits, so I'll just run through this quickly again. So the Art Gallery of Nova Scotia is open Thursday to Sunday from 12 to 5 p.m. They still have their BMO free access nights on Thursdays from 5 to 9 p.m., which is a great time to go. On Friday mornings from 10 a.m. to noon, they have a special time for seniors and high-risk individuals, and they have dedicated member hours on Saturdays from 10 a.m. to noon. So there's definitely benefits to becoming a member. And they're also offering free admission to frontline workers with ID until September 1st. You can visit artgalleryofnovascotia.ca for more information or follow at artgalleryns on Instagram to keep up to date. The Canadian Museum of Immigration at Pier 21 is open Wednesdays to Sundays from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. You can visit pier21.ca for more information. The Discovery Centre is also reopened from Thursdays to Sundays, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. and 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. Please pre-purchase your tickets online before arriving at the Discovery Centre. For more information to purchase your tickets, visit thediscoverycentre.ca and follow at the Discovery Centre on Instagram to keep up to date. And the Maritime Museum of the Atlantic is open from Wednesdays to Sundays, 9.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. And Wednesday afternoons are free with limited capacity from 1 to 4 p.m. You can visit maritimemuseum.novascotia.ca for more information. And don't forget that Ambassador's boat tours are all operating again. This includes the Harbor Hopper and the tall ship Silva sailing cruises. So visit ambassadors.com slash experiences for more information to book a tour. So there's lots of things to do, lots of ways you can get out. And especially if you have some kids, you can visit all the the, um, attractions again. So our friends at Carrefour Atlantic Emporium and the Historic Properties are promoting mask usage with their masquerade. They have put a mask on their famous Pierre Elliott Trudeau folk art statue and have taken photos of people from all the businesses in the historic properties wearing masks. We have featured some of these images on our social platforms, and you can see Trudeau, the elder, with his mask on by visiting at Carrefour Atlantic on Instagram. Looking ahead to late summer and fall, the Mosaic Festival is coming back on September 19, 2020. The Mosaic Festival is organized by My East Coast Experience, and it celebrates culture and diversity in Halifax. They will be following all the health and safety measures, and the event will be live-streamed on their website and social media. You can learn more at mosaicfestival.ca or follow at HFX Mosaic Fest on Instagram to keep up to date. And Nocturne Art at Night will be back this year, but instead of being one night, it will run from October 12th to 17th. This is the 13th year for Nocturne, and they are going to be offering creative content in both physical and virtual spaces. You can keep up to date by signing up for their newsletter. Just visit nocturnehalifax.ca to sign up. 
And finally, we are launching a new campaign called Meet Me in Downtown Halifax this week. Make sure you are following at Downtown Halifax on Instagram and Facebook as we will be running some giveaways starting later this month. Now, before we sign off, have either of you been to any restaurants or retail stores lately? Uh, I have, yeah, okay. a couple places. Mm-hmm. Um, I went into Bishop's Cellar this week and got a bottle of wine nice. and a couple of cans of wine, actually, yeah. from Benjamin Bridge. Oh, okay, The yeah. Pet Nat. Yeah, I haven't tried uh, that. Wine. It's really good. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you wouldn't think that it would be very good in a can, but it's... Yeah. It's quite nice, especially for summer. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can take it camping if you're into that kind of thing, which yeah. I'm not. <laughs> but I am into wine, so that's great. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, it was a good experience going into nice. Bishop's Cellar. It's very yeah. spacious in there. Mm-hmm. Like, the aisles are yeah, very the new, wide. Uh, the renovated store is it's really nice. beautiful, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and so they have hand sanitizer stations uh, when you enter uh, the space. And there's a, a greeter there that will um, ask you what you need if you're looking for anything and will help you out. Uh, plexiglass again with the the counter um, and yeah so it felt really safe mm-hmm. um, all the employees wore masks and pretty soon well I guess when this podcast is out you know everybody will be wearing exactly. masks anyway yeah uh, so that was a great experience. Yeah, and, of course, great. they have online shopping yeah, as well. Yeah, we've been getting some of their cases of the curated cases, which is yes. so great. I, yes. I love it. Yeah. yeah, I got one, too, and yeah. I actually discovered a wine that I really liked. Yeah, um, same here. Weeping yeah. Horse, and that's okay. what I got when uh, when I went shopping there. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah it's a great bottle. way to try different wines. Yeah. And also, it's kind of back into red because I wasn't drinking red for a while. So, yeah, it's nice. Uh, another place that I went to was My Mart uh, Asian Grocery okay. on Granville Street. Mm-hmm. So they're um, at 1544 Granville. Mm-hmm. And so I have an unhealthy addiction to instant ramen, <laughs> especially the Korean ramen. You're not ramen. alone. You're not alone. <laughs> I'm not alone. Not yeah, Raph does too, I guess. <laughs> it's really spicy and it burns your face off, but I love it. Uh, so I bought some ramen. <laughs> I would die if I ate that. <laughs> So it's a great little market, Asian yeah. market. Uh, things that you wouldn't normally see at, mm-hmm. you know, your usual supermarket. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got some ramen, of course, some Samyang, uh, I'm probably pronouncing it incorrectly, but Korean ramen, and uh, seaweed snacks that I shared with Raph yesterday. Yes. Oh, yeah, I, we love, yeah, seaweed snacks are the best. <laughs> some uh, uh, sea salt crackers, rice crackers, okay. and... I love I, those too. Oh. I think you and I get along too well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, some yogurt drinks for my son. Oh, yeah, those that. are yummy. Yes. The little mini ones? Ti- yes, yes, tiny yes. ones. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, so that was a, a good experience, mm-hmm. too. There w- it wasn't crowded in there. Um, there were only two other customers when I arrived, and then they left while I was there. Um, it's a small place, so there weren't any directional arrows, but I didn't feel like I was confused as to where yeah. I should go because yeah. it was just a small place, and there weren't a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the employees had masks on. Okay. And, yeah, yeah, so it was, great. Good, it was a good experience, and it's yeah. right downtown. Yeah. Nice. What about you, Raf? Yeah, I went to the old apothecary mm-hmm. um, on Alexander Keith. I think they're into Alexander Keithbury. Yes, they uh, are, building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I came in and I bought one of their taken bakes, which was their Krona taken bake. Oh, man, I yeah. gotta get that. <laughs> yeah, um, I saw it on their menu. I was going to get something else, but I saw that. I was like, that's, that's what I'm getting. I haven't, I haven't tried it yet. I haven't actually, like, baked it. But, yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys know. Okay. So are they just yeah. in your freezer right now? Yeah. Okay. Do they have them all the time, do you know, or is it just limited time or I remember asking or? if they had it available, and I, he said, let me double check. So maybe that's one of their mm-hmm. bestsellers. Probably, yeah. Yeah, I bet. I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Cronut, donut, why not both, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I got that, and I also went to Tokyo Roll on Argyle Street. Yeah, that's good. I got their Poke Bowl and their Chicken Karaage, which is fried chicken. Um, mm-hmm. Highly recommended. But 
um, I felt really safe. It's kind of a small space, Tokyo yes. Roll. Yeah. Um, uh, but they have their menus posted on their class, so it's one customer at a time. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so you, in an order you, you, you can check their menu outside, and mm-hmm. you can go. Um, you take turns to order, and then once your order is placed, you go outside and you wait there if you're taking out. But they also have a little um, dining a, area yeah, outside. Yeah, they have a little counter, yeah. don't they, yeah. in the window. So yeah. they do have dine-in as well? No, they don't have dine-in. Oh, they, they don't have dine-in. They have tables outside, right outside oh, on the street. Oh, a patio. Yeah. 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 Right. Okay. And they also are taking care of the uh, patio table or the picnic tables. The DHPC yeah. picnic right. in front of the Neptune table. Yeah. Nice. So there's lots of places to sit there. Yeah. Yeah. We ordered um, from Tokyo Roll a couple times during the shutdown. We got delivery, and it was really, really good. Really yeah. good sushi. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, Raf? I think that's it for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've been in Bird's Nest. They're Your right favorite? across from us. It's, it's mm-hmm. one of my favorites. Um, I've had my. I always get my ham wrap and. <laughs> 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 My chocolate chip muffins, and again, they are they, you know they all wear masks. They have the um, sneeze guards or the plexiglass shields, and right. it's, you know they have signs saying you know wait here mm-hmm. for your food, and they do have a couple of tables set out so you can still sit inside, or they have also some patio tables outside, um, and it's always a great experience going there. I've been into Inkwell. They have some signs posted on their door telling you sort of what to do. Um, directional signage is inside. The staffs all wearing masks, and I felt very safe. And that's such a beautiful little store so bright and airy so uh yeah it was great to go in there and i popped into a couple of the attractions the discovery center you know they ask you to pre-purchase your tickets before you go and pick your time slot um and i just popped in and again the people are wearing masks and they have their directional signage and they had someone actually at at the door asking me like you know what are you here for what are you doing so yeah Yeah, my son and my uh, sister-in-law and husband are going tomorrow morning okay yeah interesting yeah and then uh i um, where else? Oh, yeah, and Pier 21 was the same thing. Yeah, lots of directional signage and plexiglass shield at the front desk. And, um, yeah, so if you are you are getting out to the attractions, I'd definitely recommend it. They feel, you know, they feel pretty safe. They feel feel like they're all doing what they can to follow the, the guidelines. Um, and I think wearing your mask will help things, too. So, and yeah, these so attractions, if you have memberships to these attractions, they've yes, extended those. They've extended uh, them, and you can, ha- you can, yeah, and they've also have special hours a lot of times for the members. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm actually looking forward to getting out to some of the attractions again with my, with my kids. So the next couple of weeks. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's it. That's it for BizBuzz. Thanks Raf and Ivy for joining me for this uh, episode. This concludes Downtown Lowdown episode 30, recorded on July 29th, 2020. For more information, visit downtownhalifax.ca slash podcast. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 